How's everybody doing? Isn't that awesome? Wasn't that an awesome time of worship? You know, God is God loves for us to get out of the box. He doesn't like God's not still. In heaven, you're gonna have people jumping around, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising. And if you don't like that, well, you only have two options. <laughs> you're either gonna see people jumping, shouting, praising, or people hollering and screaming and mourning and groaning, and I don't want to be in that group. So, uh, you know, we got to get, just getting out of the box sometimes releases, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty, there's freedom, and sometimes just, think about it, he told the children of Israel to walk around Jericho seven times. There was something on, I don't know what it released, but there was something on Margaret when she started walking around, and I had to jump in because I could see it. So uh, if you're not used to that kind of stuff, it's okay. We'll teach you. <laughs> All right. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We want you here. We want to encounter you even more. We want your presence in this place, and we want to experience you in the fullness of what you have for us today, Lord. Lord, come and speak. Let us hear your heart today, Lord. We want to see you. We're seeking to see you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, um, I want to see the Lord. There's something about seeing him that changes everything. And we're called to see the Lord, not just when we go to heaven and we're with him forever, but he wants us, he wants the eyes of our heart to open up to where we can behold the Lord now through the Spirit. Where the eyes of our heart open up. If that wasn't the case, then why would Paul have prayed, Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of him, knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants us to have that revelation of who he is. We want to see him. First uh, John talks about that as we behold him, we're, we're changed. Beholding the Lord is what changes us, you know, and we want to be changed. I want to be changed, and I at least want to want to be changed. Can, can y'all hear that? Sometimes our desires don't line up with what they should, but we can at least want to want to change. We can at least want to want the Lord. And if we can want to want something, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Give me the desire that I need to hunger after you, to thirst for you. As the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. Put in me that heart, Lord. But here's the thing about seeing the Lord. The Lord's not how we think he is. He's how he is. You hear that? I'm going to say that again. The Lord is not how we think he is. He's how he is. That's very important because we have these images of God that may or may not be accurate. And God is not who we think he is. He's who he is. And if I want to know him, then I have to be willing to get past what I think he is to get to where he is. 
You see what I'm saying? If we want to know the Lord, we have to be willing to let go of what we think we know about him so that we can behold him as he actually is. If somebody wants to know me, they have to let down, um, they have to let go of preconceived ideas about me in order to experience me as I am if they're really interested in knowing me. And vice versa, if someone wants to know you, it's true with God. We have to get past, and that's a scary thing sometimes, because the Lord is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. And to get closer to him, you know, so many people that saw the Lord in Scripture had an encounter with him. What was their reaction? Fear, falling on your face. I mean, Jesus. when Jesus walked the earth, and we have the example of John, the beloved, who, who you know, wrote, instead of writing his name in the Gospel of John, he, he wrote the disciple that Jesus loved. He, here's the one that came and laid his head. He was so comfortable with Jesus at the Last Supper, he's laying his head on his chest. That's an, that's an intimacy and a comfortability uh, that he, he's moved past the fear of rejection. There is a deep, intimate relationship with that person for him to demonstrate that he is comfortable going up and like a kid and just laying your head on the chest of the, of the master. And what an awesome relationship. And that's one that we should all desire to have and we want. But this same John... When the Lord appeared to him in the book of Revelations, he falls down. He can't even stand up because the Lord in his glory is, I mean, he is a consuming fire. And if we really want to know the Lord, we have to know all of him, not just the aspects that we want to. In the book of John, 1 John, I'm going to read this real quick. John says, I'm writing to you, this is First John 2, 12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning, and I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. And I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Okay, here's, here's what I want to draw from that. There's three groups of people he's addressing. Little children, young men, people who are no longer children, but they're not fathers yet. They're not the full maturity but they're, they're in process. They're, they're beyond the child level. And then we have the fathers, the mature one. What does he constantly say to the children? I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. You know, little children that's in Christ, that's really the, the crux of what they're about. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And that is a wonderful revelation that we all need to have, and we're going to continue for that revelation to grow on through all of eternity. 
But there's more to Jesus, more to the Godhead, more to the eternal Father than just what my own personal benefit. And when you grow into, when you begin to start maturing, you start hearing a different message. You start realizing these people, they're overcoming the evil one. It's not just that you're forgiven of your sins, but now you're overcoming your sin and you're defeating the evil one. And then he starts talking about the fathers. Well, they've known him. They've known him who was from the beginning. There's a deeper level of knowledge when you become into maturity of the father. We're not just talking about my sins are forgiven. We're talking about knowing God, him who was from the beginning. I want to know him. I want to go past just that my sins are forgiven. I want to know the Lord. And what I want to say to us today is a little bit of a heavy message, but it's something that has been on my heart ever since two weeks ago when we were praying in here. I got uh, on Monday night, we were praying, and the Lord downloaded something to me that I had never really seen it before. And, uh, but before I get into that verse in Revelation, we're going we're gonna to end up in Revelations 2.18, but I want to talk about, before I do, building up to that, a word the Lord gave me two years ago. I don't know if y'all remember, I believe it was two years ago on 4th of July that um, 4th of July landed on a Sunday morning. And I, I don't ever remember that having happened before. That was the first Sunday morning, and I happened to be preaching. And I didn't really know what I was supposed to say that day. I wanted to honor what God had been doing in our country and in America from its conception. And, and, but I didn't know what I was going to share. And literally, at some point during the worship service, I had the Lord just download something to me that I had never seen before in light of our country. And it's a general principle that I think is very important that we need to understand. So if you want to turn over, I'm not going to be able to read all this, but if you look over into Numbers 22 through 24 and then into 25, and we're not going to read all those chapters. I encourage you, if you're not familiar with these chapters, get familiar with them. Read Numbers chapter 22 through 25. It is a very, very, very interesting story. Um... Many people have, you know, that when you read it, you'll find out. But let me give you an overview, all right? Are you all okay with an overview? In Numbers 22, you, you have the children of Israel are going through the, the wilderness, okay? God has led his nation, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt. He's brought them through the wilderness. He's bringing them through. They've already encountered warfare. Um, and as he, they're bringing them through, the Moabites... Uh, began to get nervous because they see God delivering other nations into their hands, nations that God was bringing judgment on uh, that he talked about to Abraham. He told Abraham that he was going to give his descendants this land, but that he couldn't do it yet because the sins of these people were not full yet. God gave them time to repent, just like it says in Revelations. He gave Jezebel time to repent, which we'll read about in a little bit. God is a merciful God. He's always giving us time to repent. But they did not repent of their wickedness, and so God through, you know, God judged them. God is God does judge, okay? People that tell you that God doesn't judge today, better read the Bible a little better. God does judge. 
And that's just, that's, you know, that's part of the scripture, the understanding. And this is part of what I'm talking about. But, you know, in Romans, it talks about, behold, both the kindness and the severity of God. Little children, all they can see is the goodness of God. But mature believers can behold both his goodness in one hand and his severity in the other because both are who he is. He is fully severe and he's fully good all at the same time. He loves us fully, yet he doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't. Jesus died, took our sin on, his, on him so that we could be free from sin. He, doesn't, he, gave, he gives grace so that we can get free from things that, that put Jesus on the cross. He didn't mean for Jesus to die for our sins so that we can have grace to continue to live in sin. No, he put sin on Jesus so that Jesus would become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It says he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. It was not so that we could live licentiously, which is to have a license for sin. It's that we can get free from sin. Jesus wants us to live holy. He, scripture says, be ye holy, even as I am holy. You can't do that without him, first of all. Just want to let you know, you can't do it without him. You need the Holy Spirit's help. All of us do. But the good news is, is that we have the Holy Spirit, and he will sanctify us and help us grow into maturity so that we can walk overcoming lifestyle. So don't get feeling like you can't, you, you know, this, you know, you can't do any of this without him. We all need him, and that's the point. But in this, as the children of Israel are coming through and the Moabites see them, their king decides to go to a prophet. He was not a part of Israel. He was, a, he was a Balaam, son of Beor. And they come to him and they want him to curse their enemies, Israel. And Balaam says to them, I cannot curse anyone that you don't, that God doesn't curse. Let me go hear what God says. And so he goes and uses divination and he seeks God in this uh, illegal format. And God comes to him and speaks to him and, and tells him that he can't curse them because I have blessed them. And so he goes back and he tells them, he's like, I can't curse this people. God's blessed them, basically. And they're upset. And they say, look, we want to give you lots of money. We want to honor you. We want you to curse our enemies and listen, we'll, we'll honor you. And he says, well, hmm, I can't say anything but what he says, but hmm, you want to give me money? Let me go back to God one more time and see if maybe he's changed his mind. Now I'm paraphrasing. So he goes and the Lord tells him to go with these guys and he'll tell him what to say when he gets there. And on his way, He's riding his donkey, and God sends an angel to kill him. Why? And when you first read that, it's like, why? Are you, you told him to go, and you're about to kill him. It was because his desire was for the money, not in doing the Lord's will. In his, you ever done that before, where you keep asking God for something that you know we've already, he's already spoke to you about because somehow you want him to change his mind because you want what you want? You ever been there? I've been there. Lord, get that out of me. I don't want to be that type of person that keeps trying to get what we want. Once the Lord speaks to me about his desire, I need to let go of my desire. Balaam did not want to do that. 
he wanted what he wanted, so he went back in. So the Lord said, go then. He's what Ezekiel says, I will speak to you through the idol of your own heart. And that's what was going on there. And so he goes and the angel is going to kill him, but the donkey turns to the side. He gets mad, starts striking his donkey. The angel opens up his donkey's mouth and the donkey's like, why are you beating me? Have I not been a good donkey? <laughs> Reminds you of Shrek, you know. <laughs> I'm a stallion. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so... Um, he was saying, I'm a, I'm, a good, I'm a good donkey. I've been good to you. Why are you beating me? And he's like, because you're, you know, I would kill you with a sword if, you, if, if I had a sword on me. And then the angel allowed him to, he opened his eyes and he could see the angel. And the angel, when he saw the angel, he realized the donkey was doing him a favor. He was trying to turn him from the sudden destruction. And the angel said, I would have let the donkey live, but I was going to kill you. And so he's like, whoa, okay, 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 okay. You obviously don't want me to go. What do you want me to do? He says, go with them, but only speak what I tell you. So he goes, and once again, he's going to seek the Lord for a word because these, the Moabites and the Midianites who have come, become kind of a one group, they, have, they won't... God to they want this prophet to curse Israel because they know Israel is coming through the land and that they're you know no one can stand before them so they're scared and so he goes to the Lord and the Lord ends up blessing him and he ends up prophesying blessing and then the king of Moabite the Moabites gets angry and said I would have given you all this money and would have blessed you but the Lord has kept you from receiving honor so you get nothing and he said, did I not tell you that I could only speak what the Lord speaks? And so this kind of goes on, I think, three times where he tries to seek the Lord. And he finally goes away. And you think it's the end of the story, but it's not. Now, let's pick up in Numbers 25. And I'm going to... So Numbers 25... Balaam arose and departed, and he returned to his place. And Balak, who was the king of Moab, the Moabites, the Moab, he also went his way. And it says, while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughter of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Okay, so here's the Israelites who have already seen the golden calf and the wrath that came. They have seen God divide the Red Sea. They have seen signs and wonders like no people group has ever seen in, in all of history. And here they are being drawn away from serving this God that just did incredible things. Why? Because of the women. Women have an incredible, in the natural, women have an incredible hold on men. Okay, it's just the reality. Um. You know, Eve got Adam to disobey God. He was not deceived like Eve was. Eve was deceived. Adam just, you know, it's like that old saying, I'm the head of my house, but my wife's a neck, and she turns me any which way she wants to. There's just that tendency that in men to 
that have that women have that pull that can sometimes cause men, and God knew that. And that's why he commanded the Israelites to not intermarry. It wasn't because he had an issue with other races. That clearly is not the case because, I mean, Moses' own wife was a Midianite. And yet he told them not to marry the Midianites. And Jesus' lineage is Gentiles. The woman from Jericho, Rahab, she's in Jesus Christ's lineage. Ruth was a Moabite. She's in Jesus Christ's lineage. It's not the issue of the race. It's the issue that, that the men of Israel were turned away from serving God because of the women, because they worshiped other gods. Same thing with Solomon. Solomon, with all his wisdom, at the end of his life, turned away from serving God because he had so many wives that were not, were not worshipers of Yahweh. They were worshipers of other gods, and they turned the king that God had appeared to him twice, and he still turned away. That's the, that's the hold, okay? So they invited the people to sacrifice to their God, and the people ate and bowed down to their God. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, which is a false deity, and the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in the broad daylight before the Lord so that in the fierce anger the Lord may turn away from the Israel. He's about to kill some people. I'm just going to tell you something that we have to learn how to reconcile, but God does judge. Scripture says that... that, that um, the, the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is a holy fear of the Lord that's going to return to his church. And I believe that's when the power's coming. God wants to bring power, but he also doesn't want to show up and have to kill us because we're so stubborn, hard-headed. And God's going to bring some power into his church. We're going to see miracles, signs, wonders, things that the, the earth is going to, God's going to show off. But he's trying to prepare us, prepare our hearts so that we can stand in the day of visitation. You know, it's the, it's the good and terrible day of the Lord. It's both the awesome, good, but also terrible day of the Lord. So, the Lord's about to kill these people. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men whom he has joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregations of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So while God's entering into judgment for the wickedness that Israel had just done, one of the, the leader's sons actually brings one of the ladies that they, they were going over there, bowing down and worshiping, and one of them has the, the gumption to bring a, a Midianite lady back in front of all of Israel and take her into his tent in the sight of everyone. Okay? That's some hardcore rebellion. We're not talking about... We're talking about God doing things that no one's ever seen, and you're going to do that kind of rebellion in the middle of God moving the way he's moving. That is, Lord, Lord, God, keep our hearts from that hard place. And it says that when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, 
The son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through. And the man of Israel and the woman through the body so that the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died in the plague were 24,000 people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. We're coming into the day where you're going to have to decide who you're trying to please. Scripture says uh, in Galatians, it says, if I were still seeking to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You can't serve Jesus and other people at the same time. It is impossible. Jesus was, could look out at the crowd and say statements that he knew was going to offend the crowd. How could he do that? He wasn't seeking to please men. He was seeking to please his father. He purposely offended people sometimes. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. He knew that was offensive, but he said it anyway. So here's what I want to turn over to. We, we see a secret council going on that we don't get from Numbers 25. But if you turn over to Numbers 32... We see a little secret insight into what this story, and I and this is where I'm about to tie it into what the Lord showed me on the Fourth of July. In Numbers 32, verse 16, um, Moses is recalling this because they, you know, uh, the basically at, in Numbers 32. So this is after all that. God tells Moses to deal with this group of people that caused a stumbling block before my people. See, these people put a stumbling block against Israel to cause Israel to sin so that God had to break out and destroy Israel. Now, how did that happen? God just prophesied. He's blessing Israel. He couldn't get the prophet to curse them. So here's what happened. We find out in verse 16. I'm sorry. Let's see. I may have... Okay, I'm sorry, it's not 32, it's 31. Numbers 31. The children of Israel, after they went out and destroyed him, they had brought back a lot of the women. And Moses is like, what have you done? Have you not remembered what just happened? How the women turned you from your God and you were bowing down to worship other gods because of these women? And Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, so that the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Now, if you look over in Jude, so that just tells us that Balaam was actually counseling Moab how to cause Israel to stumble. And, and let me explain this. When you look at the book of Jude, it gives you some insight into this. Uh, but in Jude verse 11, it's only one chapter, it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. 
and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Here's what's going on. Balaam knew that God would not curse Israel, but he wanted that money. And so, in order to get the money, he, he gave them counsel. He told them that, you know, God, the only way you can get Israel to be in trouble is if you cause Israel to fall into sin, and then God will have to enter into judgment with them because God is a just God. Are y'all following that? So he counsels them and says, take your women, go in there and lure the men into your, into, you, know, you know, come in and put your woman voodoo on them <laughs> and sway them in here and get them to worship other gods and then God, then you have them. Then God will become their enemy. So he counseled them. I saw on the 4th of July, two years ago, a revelation. I had never seen it. But, you know, when the first, um, the first two colonies in America were both dedicated to Jesus Christ, both of them. The second one was really, and the, and the first lasting colony was really... Um, it was a very, very sincere group of pilgrims who dedicated um, this country to the Lord for the purpose of the gospel. And the Lord had made a covenant, I believe, this is my opinion, but he made a covenant with this land. He made a covenant with a purpose. But the Lord, in his desire to bless America, knew or the enemy, I should say, the enemy, knowing that the Lord wants to bless America, he knew how he couldn't get God to curse America, but he could get God to turn against America if he could get the people to turn into sin and begin to bow down to other gods and begin to worship other gods. And I saw in a flash the enemy's plan over the, over the years to bring sin and corruption and rebellion and idolatry into our land to where God would have to turn against us. And I saw it exactly in parallel to what was going on in the book, in, in Numbers, to where if we would give ourselves to sin and wickedness, then we would, uh, the Lord would enter into judgment with us, Okay. So I believe that that's why it's so important that as a nation that we, you know, obey the scripture that says, you know, that encourages us, um, and my mind's blanking, get me started, Chronicles, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil way, I will hear from heaven and come and heal their land. There's a repentance that the Lord wants to bring to this nation and to his people that calls us back to him, that we would begin to repent and turn away from sin, idolatry, wickedness, so that we can know the Lord and then the Lord can bless us. But as long as we're in sin and wickedness, the Lord can't bless us like he wants to. So... Turn over to Revelations 2. Now, this is the revelation I got a few weeks ago. 
I felt, you know, if you were, some of y'all were here, uh, I know Greg was here, um, I know Deborah was here, there was a number of you here, Lonnie, I think, and um, we pray for the country on Monday nights, and I don't know what, something jumped on me, and I mean, I was like, um, I just felt this burning inside of me, and I was crying out to the Lord, and I'm pacing back and forth in the front, you know, it's just a few people in the church, and we're praying, and and I began to cry out, and as I did, I was literally praying. I don't, the Lord just was moving on me, and it was specifically, in this particular case, it was about like Netflix and Disney and a lot of these medias that have become such a wicked, wicked, wicked entities. Now, let me give you an example about Disney. Disney has a cartoon on their platform. It's a newer one. It's like the last couple of years. There's a little witch. It's a really cute little girl. She's a little witch. You know, she's so cute. And she's got this little cute little demon that takes her into the spirit realm, teaches her how to do witchcraft and how to cast spells. And it's so cute. Okay, that's on Disney. Everything Disney touches pushes LGBTQ, you know, the homosexual agenda, transgender you know, all that stuff. That's rebellion against the creator who didn't make, who made man and a woman. It's rebellion. There's people that are trapped in that that may not be in rebellion, they're trapped in it. But then there's other groups of people that are trapped in the rebellion where they're pushing it. See, there's one thing to struggle with sin. It's another thing when you begin to say, this is not sin, this is the way I am. It with, a, with a fist up in your face, in God's face, to the point that you would take his rainbow that was a sign that he wouldn't destroy the earth for wickedness again by water, and you would turn that into something that would push an agenda that's, very, that's against the very creation of God. Doesn't even, it goes against biology to the point that men can be women if you want to be, or you, a man can, you know, a man can have a baby now. Sanity. Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Isaiah 60. That's the the darkness that we're in. And it's dark. And so I'm praying about this. And I get hit with this revelation I'm about to read to you. And I began to go, and and this is convicting to me too. I've actually had to relook. Now I've I personally have canceled my subscription years ago with a lot of these companies. I canceled Amazon. I know that was a hard one for people, for me. It was hard because I love the little f- free shipping. You, you look on your phone, you order it, it shows up at your doorstep. It's easy. I hate going into shopping malls. Man, this was like great. But I had the Lord speak to me. that He didn't want me to do that no more. And so I said, okay, Lord. And I canceled it, and it hurt a little bit. Not bad. I mean, it's not like I'm being martyred for my faith. It's just, it, you know, it was a light little sting, little, you know, first world problems, you know. Uh, and I canceled Netflix when I had, um, Anne with an E came out. And me and my daughter watched the first season of Anne with an E. This is supposed to be a remake of Anne of Green Gables. What a, like a, you know, Little House on the Prairie type show. It was really awesome. I mean, well, the first season was awesome. Me and my daughter were into it. We were watching it. It was a show me and my daughter could watch together. Very clean. At the end, it started to just, 
started like, well, okay. And then the second season came out, and it was like full-on frontal push of LGBTQ. You know, one of her best friends, you, the, these, these two uh, lesbian ladies that are trying to tell them that, you know, love is love. And starts trying to, to counsel this young man that he, he's probably a homosexual. And it just starts pushing this stuff. And, and, and what a lie. It wasn't like that back in that time period. You know, if you were gay, you were gay in a closet. You weren't out and like, it's, this is a total lie for one. Um, but it's a push. It's a push. It's a push. That's why every Marvel movie that's coming out now has a homeless, either two parents that are the same sex or they have, you know, wickedness in it. And then, and then you come out with, and I'm, you know, you come out with the new, uh, I'm a Marvel guy. I love these shows, by the way. You know, it started off one way, and it's got to the place. Now they got people hooked in it. Then they start pushing all this stuff. So when I'm saying this, I'm not saying this because I want to say this. But it's gotten dark. You know, the Doctor Strange, who the comic book was dark to begin with, but the Doctor Strange, the new one, is full-on witchcraft. And one of the things about the new age is they have the third eye, where they have this belief that there's a third eye that's on your mind that can open up and you can see in the spirit realm. And they teach this and practice this in, in the new age. Well, in the end of the movie, of course, his eye opens up on his forehead. They're using witchcraft throughout of it. And I'm talking about heavy duty, like real deal, not like play wizards and stuff, but I'm talking about full on Pentagon, candles, witchcraft. <laughs> you know, bringing demons up. I mean, it was, it was dark. This is Marvel. And so, and that's Disney owns Marvel now. All right, so check this out. The Lord speaking to his churches uh, in Revelations, um, he has a message to the seven churches. And in the, when we get to the message to Thyatira, this is chapter 2, verse 18 of Revelation. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Man, can you imagine? This is a group of believers that, that have awesome deeds before the Lord and their love and faith and service and perseverance and their deeds of late are greater than at first. You know how on fire you are when you first get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost? And then life goes on and you, it tends to cool your love. He's telling about these people that their love and their deeds and their faith and their zeal and their passion is greater than at first. So we're not talking about a bunch of deadbeat lukewarm believers like in the church of Laodicea. We're talking about some on-fire Christians. You know what I'm talking about? So this is, the, this is the church that he's addressing. I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So what was his rebuke for this loving, passionate, zealous church? 
wasn't about their love for him or their zeal or their deeds or their, their own personal life. It was about what they tolerate. So my question to us is, what do we tolerate? You can be on fire for Jesus and tolerate things that will cause us a firm rebuke from the Lord. And I'm afraid that a lot of us, and I'm me included, I don't want to get the, Lord, trouble me now, not at the judgment day. Trouble me now. Show me now. Deal with me now so that when I stand before you one day, I don't have to give an account for things that I tolerated that's causing me eternal shame. And I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm just talking about I stand before him and I realize that I didn't give him everything that he deserves. I don't want to look into the eyes of the one who gave me everything that took my place and to say that I loved something, that I tolerated something when I should have hated what you hate. I want to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And I'm afraid that a lot of us tolerate junk that causes other people to stumble. We're giving our money to Disney while they're pumping out this crap because we don't want to miss the show we watch. And it jumped on me that Monday night and I began to cry out, Lord, awaken us and help us. Let your conviction fall on your church, Lord. Get this garbage out of us because we're going to give an account not just for our own lives, but what do we tolerate that causes other people to stumble? What are we tolerating that is causing other people to stumble? I had a, a friend of mine that I love, and she's, she's a believer. She loves the Lord. And we get into discussions sometimes that she doesn't understand why I'm so hardcore about calling liberals out. She don't get it. She thinks that I'm being too hard and I'm actually might mess up my opportunity to reach them. I can kind of understand that. You know, you offend somebody and then they won't be able to hear from you. But here's my thing. What if in my attempt to reach this one person, there's hundreds of thousands that are being corrupted by this agenda that are dying and going to hell. Little boys that I know that that have a homosexual spirit on them at the age of a young age, like young, elementary school. My, my kids go to, go to public school. I can tell you about some stuff. There's some wickedness going on because there's been stuff that has been pumped down this generation's throat that's causing idolatry in our land, and we tolerate it. We don't want to call it out because I'm going to reach this one person that might be... A, a, a liberal or, or, or you know, forget, forgive me if I call Democrats corrupt because of their platform. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. When you stand on a platform of abortion and pushing LGBT, LGBTQ and everything that the scripture stands against, should we not speak the truth in love, which the Bible tells us to do and try to save some people from some destruction? The reason our country is in this mess is because Christians in the attempt to be inclusive and try to reach people, we've, we've, uh, we've compromised the message that would set these people free in order to try to reach people. What are you reaching them for? What are you going to reach them for? You can't reach them to get free from sin if you're not willing to call sin, sin. You know what I'm saying? 
And we're going to give an account to the Lord for this generation that is lost in perversion because we don't stand up and call things out the way they are. We're going to give account. In Ezekiel 33, in Ezekiel 18, he told the prophet that he was a watchman and that he would, if he did not cry out and warn the people, he would be guilty of their blood. They would die in their sin, but he would hold the prophet, the watchman, accountable because he did not cry out. But if he spoke out and he warned the people, then if they still went and did what they did and they, and they die in their sin, he would spare his own life. But if they repented, then they spared themselves. It is time. In Revelations 18, and, we, and I've talked about Revelations 18. I have a whole message on the Babylon and what she is and how it represents what we're going through right now in the country and in the world even, especially the world, because it's a world order. It's a new world order. Babylon, I believe, is the new world order. But it talks about her immorality. It talks about how the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. How many, who, who's getting rich off of sensuality? All these streaming services that we give them money so they can keep pumping this crap out because we don't want to give up on our comfort and our little bit of TV that we watch. And don't get me wrong, guys, I love entertainment. I do, I love it. There's, God likes entertainment, He's not against entertainment. As long as it's in its place. But when I refuse to let go of my entertainment to keep from supporting wicked organizations, I am going to be accountable to that. Woe to us for what we tolerate. Because these people are leading other people down a wicked path and we don't want to stop because we like watching these Shows that may not be dirty. Yeah, they'll pump out some good stuff in there too to mix it up so that the, the people that don't want to watch the trash will tolerate the, the whole platform in order to get their fix while the rest of the world is being corrupted and sent to hell in a basket by our money, by God's money. I didn't want to give this message. Even that night when I was praying... I had the Lord give me a vision that encouraged me. And I was like, Lord, I can't. I, Lord, am I being too, too, is this too much? Is this too, is this too hard? And, and I had a clear vision of an ironing board with an iron doing this right here. The Lord wants to get the wrinkles out of his church. And he wants to bring the heat upon us so that we get clean. We have got to get clean. We have got to see the Lord. And the scripture is very clear. It talks about the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. If we don't give ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to purge us, to purify us, we won't be able to see the Lord. Who can ascend the mountain? but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. God wants to help us. 
He wants to purify us. We have got to come out. And here in Revelations 18 and 19, it's talking about this Babylon. It says, um, talks about, in 19.2, it says, Because his judgment true and righteousness, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. She's corrupting the earth with her immorality. She's a harlot. What does James talk about? About the adultery that we are in. It's talking about when we love the world. When we love the world, we're in adultery with God. And it's this world, this world system, this harlot who's corrupting the earth with her immorality. And what does it say in 18? Talking about the same harlot, Babylon the Great. It says in verse 4, or in verse 3, For the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people people so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues for her sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities pay her back even as she has paid and give her back to her double according to her deeds in the cup which she has mixed mixed twice as much for her and to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously to the same degree give her torment and mourning for she says in her heart I will sit as queen, and I am not a widow, and I will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence, mourning, and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, and the Lord God who judges her is strong. This judgment, the Lord says, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. Paul said something very similar in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What an amazing promise. If we come out... If we come out, we can be his sons and his daughters. We can, uh, he can be our father because he is, and he loves us, and he disciplines those he loves. I believe that in this day, God is sending his refining fire to his church to awaken his people to a life of purity and holiness, not one that we can do in our own strength. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about allowing the Holy Spirit into our lives, letting him into every area of our life where we really want to know him, not as he is, not, not as we think he is, but as he is, so that he, so we can see him as he is and we can be changed by him. I don't, I want to live for him. I want to live for that day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Be ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't want to hear then 
hey, Travis, you were passionate for me. You love me. You did a lot of good works in my name. But what did you tolerate? How many people were led astray to idols because of the Jezebel that you tolerated? How much stuff are we as a church tolerating that's causing the stumbling block to others? And Jesus said it's better that you would not be born than you cause a stumbling block to my little children. Sin is serious to God. It really is. He said, Jesus said this, the one that went and died for our sins, he said it's better that you pluck your eye out and live life blind than to, than to enter into hell. He's talking if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better that you enter life maimed than you enter into hell. When we, sin is serious with God. It's very serious. Our secret sin, all sin, it's serious to God. He wants to get it out. And I've been praying, you know, leading up to the, you know, we're in the, we were in the, we're in the Feast of Trumpets leading up to the, you know, the, the day of atonement, which is believed to be when the shepherd's rod is re- related to Ezekiel, where we all would appear to the Lord and would pass under his rod for his um, critique, correction. In the book of Ezekiel, you see this word it is believed to be on the day of atonement. That's why, you know, Bob would always get those revelations about what the Lord was doing. But one of the things that the Jews do uh, is that they, it's a picture, they, basically they begin to search their hearts. You know, is there anything that is unpleasing to God in my life? Preparing for that day of atonement. And that is a picture of one day us standing before the judgment seat of Christ and how we all need to, Lord, is there any stuff in my life that I can get rid of? Is there anything in my heart or anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, that you, Lord, I'm just asking that you deal with it. Anything that causes me to love you less than I would have, get it out of my life. You know, it's like it's like the the the, the Passover and the, the the unleavened bread. They would go and they search for leaven in the house, and and it's just us giving the Holy Spirit room. And so, I guess my question, and I believe what the Lord put on my heart today, is this. What are you tolerating? I don't want to tolerate things that cause people to stumble. And Lord, I'm even asking now, Lord, I, I can't do this in my own strength, but I'm asking that you, Lord, that you release a cleansing fire on your people, a conviction of the Holy Spirit that we would could be corrected now and not have to enter into eternity with this and stand before you with the stain of, of this on our lives, Lord. Bring your correction into our life. Lord, help us be separated for you, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be vessels, pure vessels that are for your use that we would care more about the desire of my Father than my own temporal pleasure. Lord, that we would not be an Esau, Lord God, that would let go of the birthright just for the the carnal comfort of a meal, Lord God, or, or that we would let go of the birthright just for the carnal episode of a show that we're giving our money to when they're turning around and taking that money to pump out just garbage into the earth that's corrupting millions of people. 
Lord, give us a boldness and a fire. And Lord, let raise up John the Baptist types ministries that, that preach with the fire of your spirit to call your people back to repentance, Lord. The whole kingdom age started with repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Lord, I'm asking for the grace of repentance to fall on us, to fall on your people in Wilmington and to fall upon your people in this state and across this land and across the world, Lord. Send your repentance, to, Lord, to us. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to ask all of you to pray and ask the Lord to just... Um, and continue praying this week. Lord, search me. If there's anything in my life that's got to go, that's, that's hindering, not just my walk, but hindering the people's walk. If I'm tolerating things that are causing others to stumble, Lord, just show me. Let your conviction come. Lord, let your fire come. Just, just ask the Lord for his conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying that. He's, been, you know, he's, fo- he's so faithful to when we ask to see the truth, he shows it to us. Thank you, Lord. If you guys uh, remember last week, um, you know, we were talking about things that are blocking the purposes and the, the promises of God for us corporately as a region. And uh, I believe what Travis was sharing this morning is, is one of the blockers. And um, here's, here's, here's the catch, like, uh, and Travis was sharing about, like, we don't need to get religious about holiness because that in itself is actually a sin. When you try to be holy with the flesh... You can't conquer the flesh with the flesh. It's by the spirit put the acts of the flesh to death, right? So this is a prayer I encourage you guys. This is just a tool that I want to encourage you guys for us to be corporately praying as a body over our own lives or over our family and over us corporately. It's, you know, you guys have probably read this before. It's a Psalm 139 Verse 23, I pray this prayer a lot. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I encourage you guys, use this scripture as a tool for allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of stir up, to bring conviction to anything that is in our lives that God is, that you know what, is honestly stealing from us already. And then also stealing from our, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, all these things. You know, that's what sin does. That's why God hates sin so much because it steals and it beats his kids up. Just like if I saw my daughter getting beat up, you know, by some somebody or whatever, I'd be so angry at that. I would come out and I would destroy that person <laughs> touching my daughter. That's why the father hates sin so much because it beats his kids up. It enslaves them. And um, 
So anyways, I, I just feel like the Lord was like encouraging us to to use this scripture, Psalm 139, and it's verse 20. It's right at the end of it, 30, uh, 23 and 24, to just pray this prayer daily even. Lord, search my heart. Reveal anything that is stealing from me that I am that I'm tolerating that I'm compromising my my walk in that is actually stealing from my intimacy with you from an encounter with you you know sin can actually keep us from getting closer to the lord and i don't know about you and i, I know a lot of you guys your heart is to know god to experience him to encounter him to get closer to him let's just like get rid of this stuff that is entangling us from getting closer to him Let's remove this blocker from the move of God that he wants to bring in our region. But let's do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit, not in our own flesh. We need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit to bring his conviction to to kind of the finger of God to kind of point out, Paul, this is stealing from you. Let's get rid of this thing. This thing is stealing from your, your family. Let's get this thing out of your life. And it's a simple, Lord, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? Let's remove this blocker. I want to see a move of God. I am here in Wilmington to see God move. That is the only reason I'm here. And I know that's the only reason a lot of you guys are here and why the Lord's even sent some of you guys to a little dinky town on the coast of North Carolina because there is a move of God that is on his heart to bring. And, you know, there's part of the move is going to be cleansing, I think. I think a lot of, like, when the Holy Spirit shows up, you can't help but be changed. It's impossible. And... um but we can prepare for this move to help facilitate this move by, by allowing the Lord to remove these things that are blockers and that, that we're tolerating in our own life and to get free from. So let's use, I want to encourage you guys, this is a real practical tool to use. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Pray it over your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to search you and to reveal anything that is stealing from you and to get rid of it. Last week when when Travis shared about, I mean, he gave us a challenge, right? If we would all commit ourselves to praying every day that that rumor that we would desire that Jesus is here would really come to pass. And, and I just, I really appreciated that, that challenge. I think that was right on. And I just, I really started praying like I've never prayed and asked God to really reveal like water, like, like Paul was saying, what are those blockers? And one of them I, I feel is sin. And as Travis was sharing, we, we have these preconceived notions oftentimes about God, but even about sin. And one of the things that, that struck me and just was really powerful in my life when I first met Gina um, was a prayer she told me about she had walked, even though she grew up in a Christian home, walked away from the Lord and then came back. But one of the prayers she asked was to ask God how he sees sin. And I think that so many of us, and I know my life, when I look back, um, I tolerated so much in my life because I didn't see sin 
the way he sees sin. And because of that, I also didn't realize how huge of a gift was that Jesus died on the cross for us. And if we don't realize how big the gift was, then how can we have a heart of gratitude? How can we come here and be excited? How can we praise the Lord when we don't even realize how big that payment was for us because we don't understand our sin? And so I just want to also encourage uh, for all of us to really ask God to show us how he sees sin and how huge that chasm is because it says we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin are death. And so every one of us, we deserve death without Jesus. And I was sharing with the kids and, and talking about this because it's been on my heart even you know, before Travis shared, I really feel that there's a calling to come back to the apostolic ministry, which is Christ and Christ crucified. And if we don't understand that and if we don't value it, then we can't really encounter God. And so as I was sharing with, with my kids and I'm just saying, imagine that you are standing before the judge and you, basically your sentence is a death penalty. And that is, that is the true reality. It's the death penalty for each one of us. And then Jesus comes and shows up and says, let, let him go, let her go. I will take the price if they believe in me, right? And I don't know who would walk out that door and just be like, ah, great. <laughs> I got the free pass. I'm out the door. I mean, there would be jumping and rejoicing, right? Because we realize we, our life was on the line. We were, we, we were going to get the death penalty, right? And I think that, that we need to... I think repent because we have undervalued, we've diluted the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And, and if we want Jesus to show up, we have to have that gratitude. We have to be so thankful for what he's done for us that it would rock our world, that it would rock our life, that we could not sit in our chairs but we would be on the floor, we'd be jumping up and down because we realize that our sins are forgiven. And if we want Jesus to, to show up, we, we need to touch the heart of God. We need to long for him. We need to give him thanks. We need to understand that. And, I, and you know what? I, I, I share that not condemning anybody because for most of my life, even though I grew up in the church, I did that. And it's just now, it's... it's it's a grace of God that he's allowing me to understand it, but I feel that, that a blocker for us to really experience God is for us to understand the power of the blood of Jesus, that he died for us, that he died for us, and that we have life now. And, and it's not just he died for us, he purchased us. And now we, we take this new life as a bondservant, we, we start our day and we say, Master, what do you want me to do with my life? And, and that's something that, that unfortunately, I, I hadn't understood for so long. And so many people, it's just this free card to go and then live your life however you want. But, but we, 
we take on this new identity, this new life, and now he doesn't treat us like a slave. He treats us as a son and as a daughter in his family, but our attitude of our heart is one of, of, of a servant, of just a gratitude that we start each day and say, Lord, here I am, like Isaiah said, send me, use me. Use all my life, all my resources, my time, my energy for your purposes. And so I just encourage everyone to ask God in this week to show you how he sees sin and how, how big was the depth of the hole we were in that he pulled us out to give us life. Because if we really understand that, I think we're going to start seeing the glory of God and the power of Jesus Christ seated on the right hand of God that we, that is our position with Christ. And so if, if you just join me, I, I'll, I'll just pray. I'll just pray that. Um, Lord God, we, we ask you for forgiveness, Lord, for, for how we have not valued the price of Jesus' blood on the cross, the sacrifice done for us. Lord, give us a grace, give us Holy Spirit revelation of our sin and how you see sin. Lord God, that we would have a rejoicing, Lord, in our heart like never before to realize what you did for us, Lord, how undeserving we were and are, but you love us. And so, Lord, may that, may that just spirit of gratitude just birth out of us. Lord, please do what only you can do in our hearts. Take away the callousness. Take away the familiarity with this message. Lord God, that it would be like the first time we ever heard it or really realizing that we were destined for death and you saved us, oh Lord. Thank you for Jesus. We honor Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus, the King of all kings that made himself a servant and died for our sins. We thank you, Father, for your amazing love poured out for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.